Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Great. Thank you, Christina. Hello, everyone. Um, my name's Emily, if you haven't met me before. And um, just to say a little bit about myself, um, I'm originally from Australia, and actually my cousin and his wife are here, which is really cool. So I've got a link um, to family in Guildford. So yeah, originally from Australia, and I moved here about four and a half years ago, married to Pete, and that's when I started coming to St. Saviour's about two and a half years ago. And um, tonight I've been asked just to come and share a little bit about um, my heartbeat or what I feel sort of God's called me to. And to give that a bit of a, a frame, um, this passage in Hebrews 12, 1 to 3 has been really important in my journey. So my hope tonight is just to unpack that a little bit and weave my story through that. I'm not very good at um, navel gazing, so there's not heaps about me, um, but hopefully there's something we can take away from it tonight. Um, and just so you know what's coming, I'm going to look at sort of three parts of the scripture and then hopefully have some questions we can think about at the end of each part. So just to give a little bit of context, because um, I love context and understanding what's going on. So Hebrews was written to the Jewish converts who were familiar with the Old Testament and were being tempted to revert to Judaism. So the theme of Hebrews as a whole is about the supremacy and sufficiency of Jesus as a revealer of God's grace. And it's a call to follow Jesus faithfully and with perseverance. And so this scripture, I think, just frames the whole book just perfectly, and I love it. I really, really love this passage. Um, so I'm just going to read it again, and I know that's probably not very normal, but it just helps me focus, and I just really love it, so I just want to read it again. So therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And I wanna start with first thinking about the imagery of a cloud of witnesses. Um, in my bedroom when I was little, I used to love this passage, so I drew this cloud, and I just wrote, cloud of witnesses, and it's always just stuck with me as this really powerful imagery. Um, and in the chapter 11, so the, cha the chapter just before this one, it lists, it's just a very long list of heroic witnesses, witnesses of the faith. So it talks about Abraham, Noah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, and all these other witnesses, and talks about their faith 
as being heroes of the faith. So part of this cloud of witnesses is talking about these heroes of the faith we have for us. But I also think about um, personal witnesses for me. So it makes me think of my great-grandma and my grandma and my mum and dad. And I've been really blessed to have quite a strong Christian heritage in my family on both sides, really. There's the generations of praying women, which is really special, I think. Um, and so for me, these witnesses speak of that we're not alone in the journey of faith. I just realized I sound a bit nervous, sorry. This is my first time doing this, so just bear with me as I calm down. <laughs> um, thanks, Gareth, that's my cousin. <laughs> so these witnesses, whether they're our personal witnesses or this long list of biblical witnesses we've been given, speak to us about the fact that we're not alone in this journey of faith. I almost see it as a bit of a heavenly cheer squad. We've got all these people in this big cloud somewhere just going, you can do it, you're doing amazing. Those who've gone before us and whose shoulders we can stand on. And the Greek word they actually use for witness here is translated as martyr, which means one who testifies. So these heroes testify that God can be trusted despite what we've been through or will face. Others have trusted God, whether it's all these biblical witnesses or our own witnesses. People have trusted God and so can we. So I guess I just want to ask at this moment, who are your witnesses? Who are your personal witnesses? And what would they be saying to cheer you on? Because I think that's really um, important to remember, sort of who has gone before us and whose shoulders do we stand on? Part of my journey of kind of understanding this has been learning to be okay with my story and being trying to be brave enough to share it. Um, so I grew up in church and have been a Christian for as long as I can remember. I think my um, conversion moment apparently when it was when I was three. I don't really remember it. Um, but I grew up in a Pentecostal church and so heard lots of people speaking. There would be um, people come up and do an amazing guest testimony of someone who'd had a, a long history of being in crime or drugs or all these sorts of crazy stories. And when you're sitting in church as a little kid, you're like, wow, these people are so amazing. And I remember just thinking, oh, I can't really compare to that. I've had a pretty good life, I haven't really done anything very exciting. So I used to find that quite intimidating. And uh, I was invited on a missions trip to Fiji when I was in high school. And they'd asked me to share just a little bit of my story at a rally. And I remember being outside, sort of looking up at the stars and going, what am I doing? Like, why am I here? These people have had such difficult lives and probably can't relate to me at all. Someone who's had a very, you know, normal, privileged, I guess, background. And I was thinking, God, you know, what, what can I possibly say that's gonna be helpful for them, that's gonna be relatable to them? And I just felt such a sense of the Holy Spirit, like making me pause and just say, stop talking. And then say, your story isn't for you, it's for someone else. And that's really stuck with me since then because I realized that actually my story, even though I might not think it was exciting, it could be an encouragement for people who'd had a completely opposite journey to me 
maybe for people who had only experienced chaos or disorientation or all sorts of things. Actually, I, my story I sort of see as a bit of a grounding of a God who's constant. And because of, I, I sort of said I've got, yeah, this really amazing Christian heritage, which I think I take for granted sometimes, but I really do feel like I have an incredible cloud of personal witnesses. And because of that, I've realized actually I can become better at sharing my story. And it might not be exciting, but actually over time I realized my story and the story of the family before me is a story of God's faithfulness and his trustworthiness in the generations before me and to come. And that is actually what gets me excited because I think if I can carry this on for my kids and my grandkids and my grandkids' kids, wouldn't that be amazing if they can look back and go, yeah, like, wow, what an amazing story that goes before them as well. And it makes me think of a passage in 2 Corinthians 2, 14 to 15, which I'm going to read for you. But thanks be to God, who always leads us in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. And when I was reading this scripture, there was a bit of background on it. And it was talking about how in Roman times, a victorious general would lead soldiers in a festive procession. And onlookers who were sort of celebrating and enjoying in this procession would burn spices in the streets and the air would be filled with this sweet smell. And I think this passage is saying that our lives, each of our lives, have an aroma. They have a fragrance. And as the gospel aroma is released in the world through our testimonies, it's always sweet smelling, even if it's differently received. And for me, I might think that my scent or my story isn't very exciting or isn't as great as someone else's. But God is using each of our aromas, each of our stories to spread his knowledge. So my story, your story, my witness and your witness has a sweet smelling aroma. It's pleasing to Christ and it's for others to enjoy, which actually means we have to share it. Others have to be able to hear it for us to enjoy it, for them to enjoy it. On our journey, we have witnesses, but actually we can also be witnesses to those around us, shouting them on and encouraging them on in their journey too. We have an aroma, our story, which can help encourage believers in their race, but actually it's a testimony to non-believers too. So I just want to pause there for a second and just give you a chance to think about, so what is your aroma? What is your story? What is the unique scent that you add to Christ's body as the church? And just maybe think about that, that idea of your story isn't for you, it's for someone else. So who could it be for? Who is God asking you to share your story with? Um, next, I'm going to think about um, throwing off everything and running. Sounds very fun. <laughs> I'm not a runner, <laughs> I hate running. Um, throw off everything and run. This is talking about removing anything that will cause us to fail or fall, whether that is maybe sin or distraction or fear. And this passage was trying to encourage the early Christians not to drop out of the race. 
Um, I don't know about you, but when I hear this passage, I sort of think of it as, oh, great, it's like a 100-meter sprint. I can see the end. You know, I know where I'm going, and it's just really, I can just see where I'm going. But actually, I think my, my journey has been coming to realize that it's not necessarily a race that it's clearly marked out. It's a little bit more, I think, like an orienteering race. Does that translate here? <laughs> um, yeah, it's a bit like orienteering in that we have to rely on a compass or you're given directions and you're constantly looking out for where to go for the next few steps. And our compass is Christ. So we have to check that compass. We have to check in. We have to make sure we know where we're going and then run a few steps. Check again and run. And we don't necessarily know where he's leading us. We might not see the, the end in sight in terms of what he's calling us to, but we can still keep moving. We've always got something we can either be checking or running. Um, this is the calling part, I guess. Um, <laughs> when, when I've been thinking about what is my heartbeat, what is my calling, I think over the last few years, God's sort of been speaking to me about the idea of home which is interesting because I'm not where I would have originally pictured as being home. Um, but this idea of welcome and community and bringing people together, I feel I've been really blessed growing up with a really stable and loving and safe and amazing home life. And actually, I've been blessed to have that here. So in two different places with different cultures, different churches, different families, all sorts of things. And I feel that part of my heartbeat is to provide this in some way for other people who maybe have missed out on that. So maybe they felt at some point unloved or unwelcome or uncertain and haven't had that experience of just being totally embraced for who they are. So somehow, somewhere, I want to be able to create this feeling of home where people can be themselves, um, enjoy food. I love food, so food has to be part of it have honest discussions, and be encouraged and challenged to share themselves. And if I'm honest, I'm really unsure how this will transpire. I don't know what that's going to look like. It's not, it's not a clear race for me. I don't really have a real sense of vocation or direction, you know, where I'm going. Um, I've had pictures in the past and all sorts of exciting things. We've had, Pete and I have had pictures of having our own cool cafe. Um, I don't think we're going to do that anymore. We've had um, pictures of one day if we had a really big home of having a long table with lots of chairs and just opening it up for anyone who wanted to come in at any time to eat. And there'd always be food and all sorts of things. Um, but actually it's been interesting how he's changed that vision over time. And I'm starting to realize maybe that's why it's not straight. Maybe he takes us on this orienteering journey because actually he wants to clarify and he wants to make it more clear what the actual vision is. And we were just talking about this the other day. And actually, I look back at that original vision of this long table, this dinner party. And I think actually, I can be honest and say, I probably had an Instagram filter over that vision. You know, I was looking at it going, oh, yeah, it will be so awesome to have like 20 of my best friends around. I'll make an amazing meal. It'll be fun. We'll take lots of pictures. Oh, God, that sounds so good. But actually... Um, over time, I think he's weeded out the parts that don't quite fit with that. And just the other day, I was going, actually, if we're talking about an open home, that's actually quite scary. That's not going to be 
my best friends all the time in my house. Anyone and any, anything, you know, that's quite a different reality of that picture. And that's also made me a bit scared of that vision. So I'm not sure what's going to happen with that, but actually we can just keep praying and asking him to clarify that. And it's that checking in with him and just taking the next few steps. He knows where he wants that to go. And I just have to keep checking in and keep moving towards what he's saying. And this passage in Hebrews speaks of that. It speaks of onwards and upwards, of continuing to move and not being distracted or weighed down when we don't have the full picture. And I always have felt challenged to move towards this as I can with what I have. So God's taken me on a really interesting work journey. And I can look back now and see every job I've ever had, they've all been very random, but they were teaching me skills that I think are working me towards this really slowly. And I hope that continues to happen. Um, and also, if anyone's been around to our house, we have a tiny, tiny, tiny little flat. So that big long table won't quite fit in our house just yet. But I do feel like in whatever we've been given now, in that tiny flat that we have, we're going to try and use it as much as we can. And at the moment, that means we can only fit two other people in our house. But we will try and fit two other people in our house as often as we can to keep practicing that. So it's the idea of small steps, but hopefully constant movement, using what we have now, even if that ultimate goal isn't clear, to move forward. And like that picture that I've been talking about of orienteering, checking in with God first, making sure we've got our direction, making sure we've got our center, and then taking a few steps. So I just want to pause again to ask, what, for you, what is a step, even if it's just a single step, that you can make towards your heartbeat or your calling? And you might feel that you don't know what that is yet, but I think God always gives us a hint of something in the right direction. So what's something that you can do to just take a single step towards that today? And finally, I wanna think about fixing our eyes on Jesus. As I was um, preparing for this, I went back over through all my journals, and I'm a bit of a journal writer, and I was looking for a theme. I was looking for something that has kind of been a thread through my journey um, to share. And it was interesting as I went back, particularly over the last few years, whether it was a prayer or a picture, everything was sort of oriented around God, just help me to keep my eyes on you in different ways, but just God help me to focus on you. And I often write down, just as a reminder, I love the song, I think it's Hillsong, that says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Fixing our eyes on him. Um, I've had a bit of a difficult faith journey the last probably six months, I'd say. I think uh, having been a Christian most of my life, I'm probably getting to that point that everybody gets to when you just have questions and it's sort of like, well, if I'm going to do this now as an adult, what does that mean? Actually, what does that mean? Why do I do the things I do? And what impact does that have? And I've sort of, I, I did get to a point of saying, if I can't do this authentically, if I can't do this for real, I don't want to do it anymore. And when I think about that now, where I've been, I can realize, and from looking back over my journals, that I'd lost sight, that I'd lost sight of, of God, I'd lost sight of his face. 
And I think this is when I need community and why we all need community, because when we lose sight, actually it's the people around us who go, you know what, um, you need to turn your face back to Christ. I needed to be reminded of this scripture and of the witnesses shouting for me and of the people in the race before me. We need to be able to encourage each other and be able to say like this passage, lift your eyes, don't grow weary, don't lose heart, you can do it. Um, where was I going? I love the picture of heaven as a banquet. Um, I grew up in a big family. I had, I was one of five siblings and we would always have dinner together. So at meal times, there was seven of us around a dinner table and I had three older, well, three brothers. So there was a lot of food. So dinner time for me meant it was loud. There was lots of passing of food. You had to eat very quickly or you didn't get seconds. There was laughter, there was tears, there was people punching each other on the shoulders, there was debates. There was the sharing of food, but in that there was also the sharing of heart and of sharing of yourself. Of all sorts of different people coming together, we're all very different, but in that moment coming together and just sharing with one another. And Acts 2, 42 to 47 talks about this kind of a picture. It's entitled The Fellowship of Believers. And this scripture sort of, um, for me, frames a bit of my calling. It helps give direction for my calling. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. This scripture is just really powerful for me because it is such an incredible picture of church and community. And it makes me think that sometimes we make or I make things too complicated. But actually, it reminds me that there's power in the really, really simple things. In eating together and drinking together, in sharing what we have, in praying, in praising God and in having real conversations. In challenging each other. And I feel called to, in some way, recreate this as much as I can. Um, my old pastor used to say he wanted to leave every conversation he had with someone, leaving them challenged and encouraged. And that was whether they were Christian or not Christian, whoever they were, he wanted to leave every conversation having made them feel encouraged or challenged. And I have been on the end of that quite a few times. And sometimes it was the vocal equivalent of a slap in the face. But to be honest, sometimes that's what I needed. And actually in this last six months, he was sort of the person that I went to have a chat with and he just said, um, I, I really love you and because I love you, you're on the wrong path, like you just need to shake it off and basically keep running was basically what he said. And he said it in quite like a straight, straightforward way, but actually I needed to hear that. And that's been a real inspiration for me thinking about that, that I know I need people to ask me, where are you at? and be real, and I'm sure there's other people that feel the same. I need people to be able to move past the surface and actually help each other to lift our eyes. And we all go through struggles and time when we need help lifting our eyes. 
and I see this as the role of our community, of our church. God calls us to be a fellowship of believers. And for me, fellowship is in the simple things. It's in that picture of people around a table, sharing food, sharing what we have, challenging each other. And as we do that, I think we draw others into that as well because they see this community, they see this love, they see the sharing and they wanna be a part of that. So just to finish, as Christians, we're called to be on this race, this journey that is described in this passage. And we all have witnesses and people shouting us on. But our story and our aroma is part of that encouragement for others on the same journey. So if we don't share our story, people may miss out on the witnesses they need to help them run. So you are someone else's witness and they need you to witness. They're waiting for you to witness to them. So who in your life around you needs to hear your story and needs your reminder to lift their eyes? So what is your story? But actually more important than that, who is it for? Share it in whatever way you can. For me, it's through home, through food, through coffee, through building community, but for you, your calling and your heartbeat is different. So that sharing will look different. But as we encourage each other, as we're honest, as we sit around that table together, as we share difficulties and joys, we can challenge each other to lift our eyes and to fix our eyes on Christ.